Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mike. What an awesome, awesome time this weekend. We're so glad that you're all here. We're so glad that you can be part of this. And uh, we are continuing on the series that we started last weekend on repentance, uh, God's gift to his children. And we're going to continue this weekend, part two. Uh, I pray that you will all open up your hearts, open up your ears, be attentive tonight. These messages in this series are extremely, extremely important because they deal with some issues in our lives that sometimes we tend to stuff, we tend to put them away, we tend to put them aside, we tend to not give them the attention and the focus that they need. And sometimes many of us, our, our lives, um, uh, I'm I just going to just say it real blunt, sometimes our lives suffer for this, for the fact that we don't understand this particular facet of our relationship with God. Once a person is born again, having declared their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, the very next process that begins, and and, and it is a process. I want you to say that with me because I want you to understand. Turn to somebody, say the word process. Process. Okay, now now say it like it was really important. Go right ahead. Process. Process. Okay, because it is not something that happens like this. It is a process. And that is a process of renewing the mind. What does that mean? Uh, Renewing the mind means that we have got to get rid of some of the old things that we entertain, some of the some of the beliefs, some of the mindsets, some of the things that were just our default, and and accept and receive and integrate what the Word of God says as our belief system. Because when you got born again, you got born again in your spirit. That was the thing that changed inside of you. Your soul needs to be renewed. Your soul needs to be revamped, renovated. Amen? So, the reason for this process of renewal is so that the, t- the change that has taken place on the inside will actually begin to affect the outside. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's saying it's the least that we can do after all that Christ has done for us is to present ourselves to the Father. Verse 2 is extremely important. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Here is that process we're talking about. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. The Passion Translation, verse 2, says it this way. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Man, is that a problem today? Is that a problem today? And that's why sometimes we can't tell the difference between a person that claims to be a believer in Christ and a person who has never experienced conversion. It's just that we, we inadvertently, subconsciously start to imitate the world around us rather than imitate the Christ who is in, inside of us. Amen. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but we inwardly transform by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. 
What is the goal? The goal is that we would begin to think, we begin to speak, we would begin to live or walk more like God and less like our old nature. Renewing the mind is a process of intentionally allowing the Word of God to become the rule of thumb for this life, living according to God's Word and according to God's will. Amen. This cannot happen without our changing the course or the direction of our thinking. This is called repentance. It is God's gift to every single one of us. Now, when I said that word repentance, every time I mention that word repentance, even happened last weekend, you sense a chill. Repentance. If you came out of the background that I came out of, the church that I was born in, into, raised in, when you heard the word repentance, what, what probably popped up on the inside of you is that you would go, if you were going to go to church on Sunday, if you're going to receive communion on Sunday, then you have to go Saturday afternoon. Go into that, that little box in the sun. You know, when you went in, inside the church, and that little, that little closet there that you go in, and there's somebody sitting on the other side. You know he's there. You could see him. And that, that screen is there to, you know, uh, between you and him. And you would go there, and you would just open up your heart and, and confess to that individual all the things that you did for the week before, the month before, the year before, and you know, you always dreaded, I don't know, but you always dreaded that, that statement that you had to make. Father, it's been X amount of years since I've come to confession. Yeah. And so, so we thought of repentance as, okay, here's your list of what you got to do. You're going to have to pray uh, 10 Hail Marys, uh, a, a dozen Our Fathers, all this other, and, you, and you sat there and you're just waiting for the sentence to come. And, 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 and again, understand, I'm not bashing anything. I was born and raised in that system. I understand that. There are many good people that come out of that system. There are many good priests who understand the truth of the Word of God, okay? But one of the areas that we didn't get it right in was in this area of repentance, where it was treated more like a punishment, like a sentence. Okay, you're going to do this. Once you're done, you get your card stamped, and you're good. There was only one problem. We continued sinning after confession. And some of us did it in real creative ways. I'm sure there were many a priest that went home after we went to confession and went, oh, my God, what are they doing with their life? You understand what I'm saying? But the Bible in the New Testament does not present repentance as punishment. It presents it as a process that's an actual gift that comes from God to set in motion actual change and transformation in our lives. I'm just going to throw this out at you, and then I'm going to get back into this. I don't want to miss any of my notes. You and I cannot change until we change the way we think. You and I are always going to go in the direction of our thoughts, okay? We're going to say what's on our mind. Some of us say it a little bit too much what's on our mind. And you notice, I'm starting to get to that age now where you have less filters and you think you can say anything you want and nobody can say anything back at you. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so, but the truth of the matter is we've been designed in such a way by our creator, by our God, that the process of change must begin with a process of change in the way we think. We absorb information, we collect information, we process information, and then when it gets to our hearts, that's where we make the decision. Do I believe what I've heard? Do I not believe what I heard? When I believe what I've heard, now my heart is going to change direction. 
And once my heart starts changing direction, then my footsteps start changing direction. I start thinking different. I start speaking different. I start talking different. Repentance, which Jesus spoke of extensively, which John the Baptist spoke of extensively, is the process of changing the way you think in order to change the way you act. Are you listening to me? So if you have experienced difficulties like I have in the past, where it's like, God, I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. I don't want to, I don't want to conduct myself this way. I don't want to have these thoughts. I don't want to be talking to people the way I talk to people. I want to genuinely exhibit the transformation that Jesus Christ has made on the inside. But I would have a hard time with it because I did not understand that before I could change my conduct, I had to change my speech. Before I could change my speech, I had to change my thought process. I had to start going to find out how does God actually view this situation or that circumstance or this topic or this facet of my life. And the less we find out what God says about these things, the more we make this statement. Well, the way I see it is, Based on what? Well, you know, the way, you know, I think about, the way I believe about that situation is based on what? And most of the time, every single one of us would come to the same conclusion. It was based on what, how we were raised, what, type, what our household was like, what we were exposed to as children, what we were exposed to maybe in high school or in college. And so we collect and we, we formulate our own belief system. But many times we find out that that belief system is directly in, in, in direct conflict with what the Word of God says. And so if we're going to experience real change and transformation, let me put it to this. If we're going to actually please God, well, I thought God loved me. Don't mix those things up. God's love, God's love for you has been committed to you before you even existed. But if we really want to be honest with each other, how many times do we actually live in such a way where it pleases God? Now, I didn't say he didn't love you. I didn't say he stopped loving you. He still loves us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's pleased with our conduct and pleased with the way we're living our life. He wants better for us because he loves us. He wants better for us. Amen? Why is this important? Pastor, why do, why do you have to teach on this stuff? Why do we have to teach on repentance? Why can't we teach on real happy stuff? Like, tell us what heaven's all about. Tell us how nice that is. Because every single one of us have a desire to live a life that's less frustrated. I don't like frustration. I don't know about you. How many of you, how many of you here like frustration? Let me see your hands because we're going to set you up with a counselor. You like frustration. Okay. Frustration could be best exemplified in geological terms. An earthquake is caused by a fault line. And in that fault line, in that crack, there's one section of ground that insists on going this way. There's another section of ground that insists on going that way. And when they rub against each other, what do they cause? Friction. Frustration. And when the pressure gets too bad, it explodes and thousands of people die. Cities are destroyed. That's frustration. There's part of us 
Our spirit wants to follow God and wants to go in the direction of God. Unfortunately, our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, our soul many times wants to go with our own nature. Our soul many times wants to go back and do the things that we did before we came to Christ. Our soul wants to think like the old way, talk like the old way, act like the old way. So, so when part of us wants to go in that direction and our spirit wants to go with God, it can create frustration. Paul said it, Romans chapter 6. That which I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. When I read that, it was like, all right, Paul, you just gave me some hope. Because <laughs> I wouldn't expect the apostle Paul to have that kind of struggle, yet he did. Yet, through the process of allowing the Holy Spirit to, to reveal the scriptures to him, to really get to see what he thought he knew and come to the conclusion, I've got to change. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who spent a great part of his life persecuting the very ones he then one day would not only defend, but teach. Had to come to a place of repentance. He had to change the way he thought. He thought he knew the scriptures. But then one day, Jesus messed him up. Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus as he's going to go persecute another group of believers. And from that moment on, when you come face to face with Jesus, you're going to have to examine what you believe. And he realized that he had it all wrong. And he changed his mind. He changed his heart. He changed the direction of his life and became the greatest theologian and greatest teacher of the faith apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is not a one-time thing, but it is vital to a mind being renewed. It is the mechanics of transformation of our life here on earth. I want, to, I want to take you to, I believe, a pretty familiar story that's in scriptures. It's an incident that took place in the life of Jesus. I believe this is going to illustrate repentance in a very clear way. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus has entered Jericho. Verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he, Zacchaeus, made haste, came down and received him joyfully. But when they, the people that were gathered around Jesus, the religious leaders, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay? 
Let's go over this again. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. You know what a tax collector was thought of back then? Well, even today. <laughs> that is the most hated profession of that time in Israel. Why? Because tax collectors made their money, they made a living off of the excess that they would charge the people. Here's the system that it would work. The Romans would come and they would find somebody who was unscrupulous enough and greedy enough and cruel enough to take up this job, and they would appoint that person as a tax collector of that particular village. And here's what they would say. I'm just throwing numbers out. Okay, we want 10% of everything that everybody has. Whatever you make after that is yours. So some of them would jack it up. They would charge 20%, 25%. As long as the Romans got theirs, whatever the tax collectors got, they kept. And that's why they were so hated by the people because they were seen as extortioners. They were cruel. They didn't care whether the people had the money or not. They were going to get theirs. And so here's this man. This is how he's been living. We don't know for how long. We, we, we must assume this is going on for a while. And remember that Jesus said that Zacchaeus' previous state was lost. Lost. But we see that the viewpoint of his, of, of the, his viewpoint of his own life, his viewpoint of his own profession changed. Something happened to him. Once his viewpoint changed, his heart towards people changed. We hear it in this statement, Lord, I give half of what I have to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, that's very interesting. Because he's not only admitting that he took money he shouldn't have, he's admitting that he set people up by lying about them. He accused them in order to extort money from them. He said, if I've done that to anyone, I restore fourfold, four times what I've stolen from them. That's a man with a changed heart. That's a man who does not see his profession like he saw it before. What changed him? What changed him? Is it possible? Is it possible that Zacchaeus might have heard about Jesus healing the lepers, people who were completely hopeless? Is it possible that Zacchaeus might have heard about Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter, who Jesus raised from the dead? Is it possible that Zacchaeus might have heard about the time that Jesus and his disciples are walking towards the village and, and there's a funeral procession coming out and it's, there's, there's a young man that they're going to bury, and his mother's a widow. She has no one else to support her. Is it possible that that act of kindness and compassion in the Lord Jesus Christ touched Zacchaeus' heart? We know this. There could have not been any change in Zacchaeus' conduct had there not been a change in Zacchaeus' heart and in the way he thought about things. Change only comes when you're exposed to a different set of values. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As we hear the word of God, it begins to change. It begins to settle in our minds and in our hearts and we start realizing this is the way, this is the truth. This is what's gonna cause me to come to God and to know God. Zacchaeus had to have been exposed to the goodness of God. It tells us in Romans chapter two, I want you to listen closely to this. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, it's talking in reference to people who are lost, yet you do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? 
Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Listen to this. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that is supposed to lead us to repentance. I believe with all my heart that Zacchaeus had been exposed to the goodness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to have heard. Remember this. Remember this. People are people. Whether they lived thousands of years ago or now, people are people. Human nature is all the same. This is a man who was hated in his community. This was a man that had to, repu- that had to maintain a reputation that instilled fear in people, or he would lose control of the town and not be able to collect the, the money that he was supposed to collect. Now, mind you, he's a little guy, so he's probably already the brunt of everybody's jokes. Yet this man... When he hears that Jesus is coming in his own village, surrounded by people that he probably extorted money from, goes and climbs up in a tree in order to see Jesus. Something happened to that man to cause him to throw his reputation aside. Something happened, something changed in there. Something influenced Zacchaeus to repent, to turn around and go 180 degrees in a different direction. That is a gift from God. Thank God that Zacchaeus responded to the kindness shown him by Jesus. For Jesus was showing him honor by coming to his house. We see the same thing in Simon Peter's life. You remember, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and the rest of his his companions, the rest of his partners, they're cleaning their nets. They've been out all night. They've caught nothing. Jesus speaks at length to the crowd that's there. Obviously, Simon Peter and the rest of his fishing partners, they hear everything Jesus is saying. And then Jesus is done speaking. He turns to them, to Simon, Peter, and the rest of the crew. He says, Get, take the boat out again. Master, we've been out all night. We've caught nothing. Take the boat out again. And they have a miraculous catch of fish. So much fish that they've got to call other boats to come and help them. What happened here? What, just, what did we just see take place? The goodness of God is hitting Simon Peter in the face. He was out all night. He caught nothing. And then he sees this miracle. Luke chapter 5, verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we worked all night. Haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll let down the nets. And, they let, they, and having done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners to the other boat, come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so much that they began to sink. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, saw what? Saw this miraculous catch. Saw this phenomenal act of God's grace, God's mercy, God's goodness towards him. When he saw that, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For Watch this. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So this, this act of kindness didn't just affect Simon. It affected all of them. They were completely moved by this miraculous display of kindness. Now they can pay their bills. Now they can feed their families. Now, just like Zacchaeus, they've got a decision to make. Do they allow what they've heard to change their hearts? And therefore repent, turn around, go in a different direction? Or do they become hard-hearted? Listen, the religious leaders that complained when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house They had seen the miracles time after time. 
but they hardened their hearts against repenting. Changing, instead of changing their mind about Jesus, they entrenched themselves even more in their hatred for him and their rejection. But because Simon Peter repented, Jesus is able to change the course of his life. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. What does that signify? A complete change of, of mind, a complete change and course direction of their lives based on a decision that they made. It's a decision. Back to Romans chapter 2. Now we see what happened to the religious people that were there that day when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Romans chapter 2. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and forbearance, not realizing the goodness of God? The good, good, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. The next verse. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. For when his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Those religious leaders were violently complaining that Jesus had gone to the house of a sinner. They had rejected the goodness of Jesus so many times, their unrepentant heart had turned to stone. We all have the opportunity to respond to God's goodness, to his kindness. But listen to me, church. Don't ever take God's kindness for weakness. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the declaration of the goodness of God. But it is reserved for whoever believes. It is God's gift of love. It is God's gift of kindness, of compassion, of mercy, of goodness. And it is not to be rejected. So what do we do with a message like this? Because all throughout our lives, we have been exposed to the goodness of God. Oh, pastor, wait a second. You don't know what kind of life I've had. It's been a life of hardship, and, but you're still here. You're still here. You still have time. You're still breathing. You woke up this morning. A lot of people didn't. So how do we respond to a message like this? Because it's very obvious that the goodness of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ has come to this earth. And for those of us who have received Christ, we've already placed our faith and our trust in him. It's fine. But you can't just stay there. You're sealed now for eternity. You're going to heaven. You've made the choice and you've received Christ. 
But do you want to go there the way you live right now? Well, Pastor, I did you say my sins are forgiven? Don't cloud the issue. It's got nothing to do with it. There are certain days, I don't know, there's certain days I pray, Jesus, please don't come today. Please don't come today because I don't want you to meet me like this. I don't want, I don't want to meet you like this. G- g- give me some more time. I want to work some things out. I know you received me. I know you love me. I know that you died for me. I know that you love me just the way I am. But right now, I don't love me just the way I am. I want to change. I want to be transformed. I want to look more like you when I come and see you. When I meet you, I want to look more like you. I want to think more like you. I want to talk more like you. I want to be more like you. And today, I'm not doing it. So for those of us that already know him, his spirit already lives inside of us. Just for the sake of his goodness towards us, let's allow him to show us on the inside. I love you, but this has to change. I love you, but you got to stop thinking this way. I love you, but you got to stop talking like that. You got to stop using that language. You got to stop berating people. You got to stop abusing people. You got to stop. I love you, but you got to stop watching this stuff on your computer. Love you, but that's damaging you. That's hurting your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your family. I love you. I'll welcome you, but I'm giving you opportunity to change. I'm giving you opportunity to change. But in order for us to change on our end, we've got to receive it. Yeah, Lord, I know. I know you love me. And I'm not, I'm not proud of this. In fact, I'm ashamed of this. And I want to change. That's the beginning of repentance. That's the beginning of starting to entertain the thoughts This is not right, and this is not pleasing to God. And if I refuse, and if I reject, and if I resist this opportunity now, my heart's just going to get a little bit harder. And the next time, it's going to be easier to resist and to reject and to just continue. Now, for those who have never come to the place of actually publicly declaring your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Don't despise or reject his goodness toward you. He's been merciful toward you. His grace has has come upon you by even being in a place like this to be able to hear this kind of a message. You're being exposed to the word of God, which is the agent of change in our lives. And you're going to have the choice to either accept or to reject. And the choice is yours. God has given us free choice. God does not take anybody, push them against the wall and say, this is what you're doing. God has given us free choice. God is love. Love does not force himself on anyone. But my advice to you is that you have, if you have never, ever said a simple declaration from your heart, Jesus, I believe in you. 
I, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Bam. Salvation comes. Oh, pastor, it can't be that easy. Oh, no. Thank God he made it that easy. Because man has been trying to mess it up and screw it up for 2,000 years and make it difficult, to make it hard, to make it about a list of rules and regulations and rituals and customs and traditions and trappings. And it's got nothing to do with anything. It's a simple choice. What do you believe? I'm going to ask you these few things, and then we're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want you to receive what I'm saying and make a choice on the inside. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross as payment for your sins and for my sins? And do you believe that God raised him from the dead and that he's alive right now, seated in heaven? If you believe those things, there is nothing stopping you, according to the word of God, from receiving salvation. It's a simple declaration. Everybody stand up, please. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. That prayer is specifically for those who have never received Jesus Christ, have never asked him to come into your life, have never made a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to do it all together. Some of us, this will be a thousandth time that we're saying this, but we're going to say it together with you. In fact, we're honored to be able to say this prayer together with you. But if you have never, ever, ever said this prayer, I'm begging you, Please, pray this from your heart. I believe that you believe those basic tenets of faith, that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that God raised him from the dead. That's all, you, that's, all that's required. So let's say this prayer together. Father, Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the son of God. is the son of God. I believe, I believe he came to this earth with the purpose of dying on the cross as payment for my sins. I thank you, God, that you received his blood, his death, as payment for my sins, and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be raised to eternal life. I thank you. I believe it. I receive salvation. I can declare that I am a child of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We're done. Listen, before you walk out, it's extremely important before you walk out, please, please, I'm, I'm begging you. If you said that prayer tonight for the first time, I'm going to ask you to just do one simple thing. When everyone else is dismissed, I want you to please come up to the front, as well as anybody else that needs prayer for anything else. If you need prayer for anything, come up front. Please come up to the front and tell the people that will be up here, I prayed that prayer tonight for the first time. I want to give you a Bible. We want to give you some other materials. We want to give you the tools you need for this new adventure that you're on, this journey now in new life in the Lord Jesus Christ, your new life in God. Amen? Amen.
God bless you. Thank you. Families that came here tonight to support your, your people that got baptized, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We've got refreshments outside. The rest of you, please come to the front. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.